0: Welcome to Hymn Talk, a discussion of hymns, music, and singing in the life of the church. I'm Zach DePrima, and with me is my fellow Hymn Talk traveler, Alex DePrima. Alex, how are you? I'm I'm good, but I'm a little confused because this is Hymn Talk. But today we're talking about psalms. Is this psalm talk? You could call this for this one episode psalm talk if you'd like. But Because
1: I'm assuming that you agree with me that when Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 refer to psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, those are different categories. So maybe we need to have three podcasts.
0: <laughs> we could. <laughs> psalm talk,
1: hymn talk, and spiritual songs
0: talk. We could. Uh, I think for the sake of our, for our purposes, uh, we're going to include this episode on the podcast hymn talk and, and you're not troubled that
1: that those listening are going to be confused
0: i'm not troubled at all i think it's, they'll it, this is
1: they'll be able to connect the dots this is your bus this is your your rodeo so i'll well, i'll sweetly comply but brother, I think you,
0: you either stay on the bus or you get run over by the bus i'll
1: just say if you're listening to this you can leave a review and a comment if you're confused like i am about why psalm talk is now merging with hymn talk you can you can make your voice heard in the comments below.
0: If you well, here's the thing: I want him talk to continue for years on end. And if you did Psalm Talk, you could only do 150 episodes. Oh, I
1: suppose so.
0: You know that, that the you, content. You, you know, and yeah. I'm just a little more ambitious than that. I have okay. high hopes for him talk. I see. So, Alex, why do we sing psalms? Uh, because of what I just said. I mean,
1: I, I would add to it though. Uh, I. I personally would believe that in Ephesians 5 and is it Colossians 3, mm-hmm. uh, those designations of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs are different things, mm-hmm. and that those passages mandate the use of psalms. I'll at least say there's, you can maybe merge hymns and spiritual songs in your understanding of that, those passages, Right. but I don't see how you can merge psalms with hymns and spiritual songs, because psalms are such a specific designation. Mm-hmm. We don't speak of psalms generally, like I don't write a psalm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's not like a just a poem that any Christian might write. Yeah, the Psalms, uh, d- you know, a it's partic- a particular collection An of inspired canon of inspired texts yeah. uh, that would have been well known by obviously the Jews and early Christians as well. So, I would understand those passages to be requiring that we utilize the Psalms in our congregational singing in New Covenant churches. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I'll just say, if, if you're a Christian listening to this and you're not familiar with a very rich history of psalm singing in the history of the church, there's just, there's just a very rich heritage of uh, all kinds of uh, denominations and groups that have utilized the psalms in the congregational life of the church. Uh, in, in singing. The most notable ones would be the Presbyterians, mm-hmm. some of which would be exclusive psalm singers. Yeah, But in the Roman Catholic Church, in the Anglican Church, in all kinds of, uh, of, certainly Presbyterian and Congregationalist groups, and even, now we do the worst at it, but even in some Baptist groups, the psalms are utilized in congregational worship. And um, I think that's, I, I love that heritage. I think it served the church well.
0: And beyond that, I believe it's just a biblical practice. Yeah, it's striking. Even historically, you and I are Baptists, and I've been lately doing a deep dive into Baptist history, uh, particularly during the 18th century. And it's just a reality that before Isaac Watts, the Congregationalist and father of modern hymnody, hymns are few and far between to be found in church history. Mm -hmm. We can lament that all we want, but the norm was psalms, especially in the Reformed tradition and the Puritan tradition. Mm -hmm. So I think we're definitely missing something if we we don't sing psalms. One more thing I'll say
1: is the singing of psalms in particular, if you're thoughtful about your liturgy in your church, Mm -hmm. and if you don't like the word liturgy, I just mean your order of service. uh, The singing psalms works so well and helps you to bring people through the flow of the liturgy, and what I mean by that is, you can have, for example, at our church, uh, there's kind of a a uh, God, sin, Christ response framework Motif, to what we do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so we start with praise to God and acknowledgement of who He is, and then we usually move to contemplation of our own sinfulness and a prayer of confession. So, so you're at the prayer of confession, brother has just led us in prayer, and then you can move into singing Psalm 51 right. or Psalm 32, which are psalms that confess our sins very specifically. And uh, it might allow you to get people into the text in a way that uh, hymns, though they're certainly valuable as well, we sing lots of hymns and probably more hymns than we do psalms, uh, it just it just can serve your liturgy at a number of different points. You can have an assurance of pardon, and then a psalm that particularly highlights assurance of pardon. So there's psalms of praise as well to open the service. They just conserve a liturgy really well also.
0: Yeah, I also just think, because an objection I might hear is, is, we're new covenant people. Why do we need to be thinking uh, about the old covenant uh, songs? That is the Psalter. Yeah, sure. And um, one thing I would just say is there's no book that's quoted more in the New Testament than the Psalms. Oh, yeah, Um, absolutely. You know, the inspired authors of the New Testament are leaning on and drawing on the Psalms more than any other part of the inspired Old Testament canon.
1: Yeah, and they are explicitly saying,
0: make much of the Psalms. Yes. Sing them to each other. Yes.
1: That's how I understand those passages.
0: Yeah. So, Alex, we have tried to make, uh, even though we are a... Uh, Baptist, Evangelical Church, we have uh, placed a pronounced emphasis upon singing psalms. And we've probably done that, we're we're a young church, we've been around four years, we've probably done that uh, really significantly maybe in the last two years, Mm -hmm. where as I plan services, I try to include at least one psalm every single week Mm -hmm. that we're singing. Mm -hmm. And I would like… Can
1: I just say something mm -hmm. at this point? For people who don't know, if you read a psalter, um, a lot of times the tunes are just not great. Right. You pick up your average psalter. What's one of the big objections to singing psalms? They could be really awkward to sing by the way they're arranged. I just want to say, brother, you pick really great arrangements, and you come up with oh. some original arrangements. I don't mean original tunes, but we sing psalms to certain tunes that I'm not aware are sung anywhere else in the world, and so when, when people think about singing psalms at a manual, they're actually some of our favorite songs to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, you've done a very good job of compiling, I don't know how many we have now, but uh, 20 to 30, I imagine, either straightforward psalms themselves or paraphrases of psalms sung right. to very um,
0: musically edifying tunes. Well, that's, that's very encouraging. And I would just say in light of that, we don't want to reflect in this podcast that Uh, There necessarily is a plethora of um, well-put-together arrangements of psalms out there Mm -hmm. for Christians today. The reality is if you do open up a psalter, which that's what I'm usually going to, like a Scottish psalter, just a lot of the tunes are not very well-received today. Uh, very old fashioned and just honestly not very edifying. Well, so this isn't an easy task to quote unquote resurrect. This you is know, a psalm common singing. problem.
1: Lots of people that are for something that are like, just can I have good arrangements and yeah. songs? Uh, and just a little anecdote. When I was a kid, our best friends. I, I grew up. We grew up Reformed Baptist, and our best friends were Reformed Presbyterians that lived very close to us. Uh, actually, came to our church for a while. And uh, I'm thinking of Cal and Debbie, Beisner. and. We would go over to their house for Sunday lunch almost for a while. They're like every Sunday like or every, every other week. Sunday or yeah. something like that. And they would always, after dinner, it was a glorious way to use the Lord's Day, they would break out. They're a very musical family, and they all sang very well. They'd break out the hymnals and the psalters, pass out copies to everybody, and we'd mm-hmm. sing for an hour or mm-hmm. so. And I loved we'd sing the the hymns for about thirty minutes and every time I was like, All right, now take out the Psalter It was like Oh I can guarantee <laughs> you I'm not tunes. going to like these tunes. You know? <laughs> so I didn't like singing the Psalms because now occasionally you'd hit one out of ten right. that was gold. Right. But I just didn't like using the Psalter because the tunes were so uh, disappointing. Mm-hmm. But you've done a good job of of uh, reversing that that perception I have by, by picking really good tunes.
0: Well, I also want to highlight something that we've been doing the last, I think every summer as a church, Alex, you've chosen to preach through the Psalms, mm-hmm. uh, not consecutively, but select mm-hmm. Psalms. Yep. Uh, can you speak to that practice and the benefits of that? Well, the Psalms lend themselves very
1: well. I mean, there are collections of Psalms that are good to read in in uh, succession mm-hmm. uh but for the most part the psalms i mean you, you, it's it's uh it's an easy book to drop into mm-hmm. and to pull out of you yes. know so um in the summer uh number one a lot of families are thinking along the lines of rest and refreshment and maybe reevaluation of some things yeah. self-examination that's on some people's minds summer's uh a time to collect ourselves not mm-hmm. for everybody but a time to collect ourselves and reevaluate our priorities and think about our lives and there's a make, certain cadence to the yeah, season. Yeah. And I yeah. you know we, we it's less and less that way I feel like in our 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 world but there still is something of the seasons that are honored in at least American culture and uh, observed in American culture. So and then also just because it's the summer you have a lot of folks in and out so for starters, I don't like doing a consecutive series through a book. I'm just thinking mainly like mid June through mid August, you know. Right. So it's not long; it's six, seven, eight weeks, something like that, that we do the Psalms. But I like that rhythm of okay, we're not going to try to to do a series through something where people are going to miss, you know, a third of the weeks that we're in it because they're mm-hmm. seeing family or doing vacation or whatever the case may be. The Psalms lend itself well to dropping dropping into them, but also that thing I said about. There are certain things we're thinking about in the summer, Mm, and mm -hmm. we're oriented to think about in the summer, just as human people who might have off school or university or the cadence of work changes, that it's nice to get into some of those themes and some of those ideas that the Psalms bring us to. Mm, There's mm -hmm. a lot of searching ourselves Mm -hmm. and looking to God for
0: help in in entering particular seasons. That just seems like a good… Yeah, I'm just thinking of the, the Psalms that have been preached this summer thus far, and just the diversity of themes yeah. that have been presented and how healthy that is, and I, I have found helpful. Uh, you've preached on Psalm 51, David's and the the place of confession in the Christian's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to preach on Psalm 4, speaking to self-reflection, trusting God's promises. Mm-hmm. We had our brother Rex preach the other day about uh, an imprecatory psalm, mm-hmm. which when are you ever going to hear an imprecatory psalm preached? Yeah, probably not in the sermon series. Probably not in the sermon <laughs> yeah, series. Nice. Uh, You know, we have our brother preaching, I think, in the the next week or so about forgiveness, Uh uh, the God where where forgiveness can be found, Psalm 130. Uh, Just all these wonderful themes that I think are are great to just different drop points in the summer.
1: and I think someone could say, well, the Psalms every year, really? I mean, the Psalms every year? I do think, though, in the Bible, as you acknowledge, the Psalms have this very special place in the canon. Mm-hmm. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's nothing like the Psalms. The Proverbs aren't even like the Psalms, like at all. And um, they had a special place in Old Testament life and a certain prominence above other books. And I'm not saying that they're more inspired than other books, but they're. But what I am saying is they had a special, even a central place in the worship, and the liturgy, and the confessional life of of the Old Covenant people. And they inform the expectations of God's people regarding the Messiah. Or at least ought to have informed them as much or more than any other book in the Old Testament. And then as you acknowledge, they're quoted more in the New Testament than any other book. And throughout church history, they've been given a prominent place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I encourage folks all the time to read a psalm a day in their devotions, whatever else they're doing. Mm -hmm. And that's very common devotional plans that that, that you would read a psalm every day. I, I think the psalms deserve that place of special Emphasis yeah. in the life of the Christian and in the life of the local church. So I don't mind every year giving at least six weeks to considering Psalms mm-hmm. out of the fifty-two
0: weeks mm-hmm. that we that we preach here. So would you say you plan to do this in future years? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: So Alex, I want this conversation to be more uh, instructive. Well, not instructive, but just more of a resource than our. Other conversations because I want us to basically use the rest of this time to give several psalms that people can use tomorrow or mm-hmm. this Sunday in their church. Tunes ready to go, mm-hmm. lyrics ready to go, and uh, so they can start prioritizing psalm singing. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're thinking, hey, you guys got me thinking. I sh- we should be prioritizing the psalms, or at least trying to sing more psalms and gather worship, uh, but do you have any suggestions? Here are some suggestions mm-hmm. for you. Very good. And some of these songs, I would also say they're songs you might be familiar with in a hymnal, but you haven't thought of as psalms. Part of, I think, prioritizing psalms is identifying what you're singing as psalms. Yes, well So, so we have some psalms that are Almost direct paraphrases, as most of a psalter would include, but then songs that are are heavily drawing from a psalm. Uh-huh. That if I'm including that psalm, so I think of uh, "Praise my soul, the King of Heaven." Uh-huh. Uh, I can't remember off offhand what psalm that is. I think it's 145 or 98 or something like that. But it's 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 heavily reliant upon a psalm, a specific inspired text, when I include that hymn in our bulletin, Mm -hmm. I'm going to include in parentheses what psalm this is. So people understand the psalms are are
1: shaping our worship. Well, as a kid, I know I sung Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, my whole life. And uh, because I was not paying attention, I didn't know it was from a psalm Mm -hmm. until I was maybe in college or after. So... um, but you can help direct people that this is drawing from the psalms in a major way. We want you to see that and make that connection and maybe read the psalm in connection with the song itself.
0: Yes, so a first one to consider in that vein is, is pray uh, pe- all people that on earth do dwell
1: to the doxology
0: tune. To the doxology oh, tune. Of, yeah, praise in God. In many uh in, in a trinity hymnal if you if you're familiar with that in a Presbyterian or Baptist context, uh, I think you would find it in most Baptist hymnals as well. I assume so. But you might not know this is a direct paraphrase of Psalm 100. Uh-huh. So I would say claim it as such. This yeah. is this is the 100th Psalm. The old tune is titled the Old Hundredth. Mm-hmm. I believe this is one of Charles Spurgeon's favorite hymns. He was singing it all the time
1: and uh, most people in his con- had memorized this psalm so he could just call it out at any time they'd often open or close a meeting with the old hundredth
0: yes and also that tune the old hundredth with if you're familiar with the doxology you know the tune what we typically do when we sing psalm 100 is we sing the five verses of psalm 100 or the four verses of Psalm 100, and then we conclude it with the doxology, just to put a finer point on it. But that tune, you can also use. Um, I don't have this in my notes, but you can also sing "All Creatures of Our God and King" to that tune. And you're great. You're. You might be thinking that's a great hymn, and you might not know this. "All Creatures of Our God and King," based off of Psalm 148. So, again, Wonderful. these are more psalms that you can be singing.
1: Well, and all creatures of our God and King, by the way, is a uh, psalm. You, you, one of the great things about singing that psalm is its origins go back, help me
0: here, 12th century or earlier? Francis of Assisi is who okay. it's attributed to. I yeah. believe... Uh, I don't want to misspeak, but yeah, 12th or 13th century. Okay, yeah. Long time ago. Wonderful. At least 800 years old. Yeah. So I want to give you uh, one more older tune, an older uh, version, and then I'm going to give you a couple newer arrangements. So Psalm 19. Psalm 19. I don't think we've ever talked about this one on the podcast. Uh, If you found it in a Psalter, it might be under the title, Jehovah's Perfect Law, and so the, so Psalm 19 is the
1: heavens declare the glory of God. Yes. God showeth His handiwork. What's is it? What is man that you are mindful of him? Is that, that might be Psalm eight?
0: That is Psalm eight. Yeah. But it
1: starts with the, the 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 heavens and the stars. But then the second half is the the law of the Lord is perfect. Yes. And it's
0: one of those, Alex, is one of those archetypal psalms. Okay. So the psalms often have, there are t- at least two types of psalms that are dominant in our psalter. I'm talking about in in the in the Bible. That you see throughout, and many many psalms take on the shape of these psalms or these these uh, motifs. One is a, uh, a messianic psalm, mm-hmm. so something like what you see in Psalm two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see several psalms that are direct directly uh, uh, written in, uh, about the Lord's anointed, mm-hmm. and then psalms about God's word. So, in fact, I would argue that the Psalter itself uh establishes these two themes as the dominant themes throughout the Psalter with Psalm one, which is all about uh the blessed man mm-hmm. who builds his life on God's word. He's like a tree planted by rivers of water. And then Psalm two, talking about the nations raging against the Lord's anointed. And then you see this repeated throughout. So Psalm eighteen is about uh is about the Christ, is about the Messiah. Psalm nineteen is about uh, the Word of God, which is the Psalm we're discussing right now, mm-hmm. Psalm One Nineteen, obviously the longest chapter in the Bible, is about the psal- uh, about the Word of God. So, if you're thinking about, hey, what are important Psalms I have to sing? Right. I believe this is this is up there as one of the most this important gets you ones to sing. Into the content of a host of Psalms, archetypal
1: yes. is a good word. Yes.
0: For so Psalm nineteen, uh, the first verse says, "Jehovah's perfect law restores the soul again. His testimony sure gives wisdom unto men. The precepts of the Lord are right and fill the heart with great delight." Mm. We sing this hymn to a tune called, I believe, "Rosy Medry," which is a Welsh word. I can't remember the author of the tune. It might Can just you be... spell it
1: for people listening. I'm going to
0: include it in the show notes, okay. but it's 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 R H O S. Y-M-E-D-R-E, okay. I believe. Okay. Ralph Va- Ralph von Williams, one of our favorite English composers, has written a famous famous arrangement of this tune, uh, although it's it's much different than how we would sing it. Yes. But y- y- it's discernible. It's a wonderful tune to this hymn. I've seen it used to many other hymns. Uh, I've seen the same tune of, of Rosie Medry, used to uh, Arise, My Soul, Arise. Uh-huh, yeah. So it's one of the traditional tunes for that. Love so it. just a wonderful Welsh tune. Again, I'm going to include notes to all of these can, in the notes. Can yep. I ask,
1: are we going to talk about Psalm 23? Because that, that oh, to me, yeah. if you're
0: looking for a uh,
1: a high return yeah. psalm to sing for your ears, that you're... I, I can just guarantee your church is going to love. That, to me, transcends denominations. They'll sing that in Westminster Abbey. They'll sing that at uh, the National Cathedral. They'll sing that even in in low church settings. That's what I want to make sure we talk about.
0: Yeah. Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd uh, that is the famous psalm. But the title for this psalm, if what we include in parentheses, is the, that of the first line, which is, The King of Love, mm. My Shepherd mm. Is. Alex, you want to talk about the psalm?
1: Well, no, I, I just want to say, so the paraphrase I'm familiar with, the one we sing here, is beautiful. Yes. And I think so wonderfully uh, captures the sentiments of that psalm. And um, I think it's just some of the best of the English language on display
0: mm-hmm. in
1: capturing biblical truth. Mm. And it's memorable, it, it's not hard to get through, I mean, pretty much every, there's, there's a verse for every verse in the Bible, in the, in the actual psalm itself. And the tune we sing it to I just think is so fitting.
0: That's Saint Columbia?
1: Uh, you know names better than I do. I know it as the tune to another hymn we sing, which is How Sweet and Awful is right. the Place. Uh, and so, or some have it as sweet and awesome is the place. So we sing it to that tune, mm-hmm. and it's just incredible. And and I'll, I'll say, um, I think in at least in in broader evangelical circles, that rendition of Psalm 23. There's tons of arrangements of Psalm 23. To me, this is the most superior or mm. the superior. Excuse me. I agree. Uh, I think it's making a comeback. Yeah. So I was at the Sing conference, which is put on by Keith and Kristen Getty. I was there two or three years ago, Mm -hmm. and uh, there were thousands of people. My guess is over 10,000 people, and I think it was Matt Merker who led us just, I think it was just piano and the the congregation singing Psalm 23. Oh, it was one of the best experiences of congregational singing I've ever experienced, and it just seemed like this song is poised, this psalm in particular, and this particular version Mm. of -hmm. the song was poised to uh, get get widespread attention mm, mm-hmm. and more profile but to me it's not only is it my favorite psalm that we sing mm. it's uh, uh, I've told Jenna this I would like it sung at my funeral yes it's one of those songs I just think it's would you like me to sing it at your funeral uh, no because I hope that my funeral would feature congregational singing and oh, solo. no
0: solos no no solos oh, that's sad yeah just
1: well brother God's let me let me blow
0: them. your mind I don't know who I don't know uh, when people are going to be listening to this but we're singing this song this week.
1: Oh, uh, well, that just... and the, the, Well, and this week, I'm not preaching. Oh. And so there's no danger of me being preoccupied with my sermon as I sing, even though most
0: of the time I'm not. I could just enter in. If I want to cry, I can cry. I mean, it would be great. Wait, I, I didn't hear you correctly. You're saying you're one of those pastors that never worships? No, I'm not only, only when you're not preaching? <laughs> no. There's just a, a letting yourself go... <laughs> When you're not going to pray, Just keep digging that grave. Yeah, just uh-huh. keep digging that hole. Go. So that's Psalm 23. I want to leave you all with two more uh, newer arrangements. Actually, I'm going to tease it because we're going to have future episodes of more Psalms to sing. Okay. So right. I'm just going to do one more, and that is Psalm 42, also by the title, Lord from Sorrow's Deep I Call which is written by Matt Papa and Matt Boswell. Just a wonderful song. It doesn't cover all of the content of Psalm 42, but I think it presents the psalm faithfully. Alex, I would like you to speak to just what you like about this arrangement. But maybe before that, why Psalm 42 should have a special place in the minds of Christians?
1: Well, Psalm 42 is often one of those psalms that... uh, it's heavy on Christian experience, believing experience, and it's very raw, very honest, and um, resonates with God's people in a major way. Um, so I find lots of people find solace in Psalm 42, the crying out for God, the sense of coming out of a deep and dark place to call out to Him. And uh, one of the things in our, our evangelical context that is special about the psalm is it uh, receives a prominent place in Martin lloyd Jones's book, Spiritual Depression. It, it's actually working from Psalm 42 that he has that famous quote that uh, we should not just listen to ourselves. we should learn to preach to ourselves. Yes. In Psalm 42, that's where the, the psalmist says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. I don't think it's a psalm of David. I think it's a psalm of the sons of Korah. But, um, but you can imagine David you know, making similar prayers in different seasons. But um, Christians, I think, feel a special attachment to that, that we are often in places, dry, dry places and, and dark places, and we're waiting on God. And in the midst of our waiting and our longing and our darkness and our night, we have to remind ourselves that God is good. We can hope in him. We can look to him and He will satisfy us. So it just resonates with a lot of people.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Amen. Yeah, I think just a technical note on this psalm, I love the the Boswell Papa arrangement. They have a few, a few out there that you could find on Spotify or on YouTube or something like that. But I would just make a note for congregational singing. I believe when they do it, they're doing it in the key of G. We bring it down a little bit to the key of E. And uh, that makes it quite singable for for our church. But I I know this is one of the songs that's m- probably most well received by our people.
1: Do you find that generally to be true of songs that Matt Papa records? That it's helpful to bring it down?
0: Yeah, and I don't know so? my I don't know Papa personally, but I believe he would probably encourage people to do that okay, too. Yeah.
1: So there's there's something on the recording where he might be a little more performative. Yeah. But for the congregation, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's always always healthy to get feedback from your people about, hey, can they sing these songs or not? Um, and if it's too high or if it's too low, it is possible to be too low, but often songs written these days are too high, sure. so we're always cognizant of that.
1: I'll just say I love this arrangement. So thankful those brothers wrote it. Not, not a very strict paraphrase, but a loose paraphrase, and... Um, I know, I know a lot of our people feel in this place when they come into the worship of God, and they find that this paraphrase of Psalm 42 becomes the the expression of their own soul as they come to God in worship. So I appreciate it.
0: Alex, do you have any other thoughts on psalms or encouraging pastors or church leaders to preach through the psalms or to sing the psalms? Well, I,
1: I would just say, again, I, I, I do think it, it is um, an important point that the psalms do and should Occupy a special place, a somewhat prominent place, in the life of the church, in the church's liturgy, in the church's preaching, in the devotional life of the Christian. So I would say, preach the Psalms, pray the Psalms, sing the Psalms, read the Psalms, uh, teach children the Psalms, have them memorize Psalms from young ages. Um, I I just I would be an advocate of making sure the Psalms have a prominent
0: place in the life of the church in all these kind of various points from these various angles. Mm, Amen. Well, friends, with that, we are out of time. Alex, thank you for your time. Thank you.